welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Chippel. And that is Steve Jones. And uh, it's been weeks since we've uh, had a pod together, Jens. I mean, even... I feel like it's been months. So much has been going on. I mean, we've, we're really good at, you know, uh, cranking these pods out on a regular basis, but all sorts of things have been going on, especially, you know, in, in your neck of the woods that uh, I, I literally feel like maybe it was August, you know, when we last saw each other. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe not that long, but, uh, but yeah, we did have, we have had a lot going on. It's we, November now. Yeah, it is. I know it's crazy, right? Um, yeah, it's we, crazy. We did yeah. have the Napa fires, um, as we talked about in the, the last episode, um, which was co-hosted by Jay. Um, my house, uh, I, I thought was going to burn down. Short story is it didn't. Uh, and I am back at home. So, uh, all is well. You had a trip. I had a work trip. It's, there's been a, um, a lot going on, uh, you know, where we've just been in kind of different locations, but we're back and we have loads of content now to, uh, to share with everybody. So buckle in, uh, the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some good interviews coming up. We'll tell you a little bit about, uh, who else we got on, who we have in the program coming up. We have a band on the program, uh, in the, uh, in the, I think next week is probably when we use it, uh, that has sold over 15 million albums yens yeah that's insane 15 million yes with an m million yes, yes. um so we'll tell you who we got okay i'm i i mean i i can't hold give it. us a hint give us a little teaser okay tangle that carrot in front of us okay um don't give it away though don't give it away save it <laughs> Just a okay. teaser. Okay. Just like a teaser, but no way anyone's going to figure it out. It's, it's a band that's been around for nearly 30 years and has... 30 years. All right. Yes. And uh, and I, I don't know how to give a hint uh, of who they are without uh, without spoiling it, but they, uh, they wrote a song on a hit sitcom. I mean, that's the theme song to a hit sitcom that's on CBS. Oh, okay. Enough said. There you go. Enough said. I think you might have just given it away already. <laughs> given it away. I'm not thinking about fountains or anything here. Right. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Carry it on. Um, yeah. So, uh, so today on the program, though, uh, we have uh, an artist. I, I was able to interview three bands at one show uh, at Bottom of the Hill uh, this, uh, this week. And, uh, so given us a lot of great content, this is an artist named Mouse Powell. Uh, and, uh, and so we're going to get to talk to Mouse in just a little bit before we do. Uh, as I mentioned before, you had a trip. This is a real rarity because you almost never travel. You, I know I, I'm, uh, I like to stay at home and not go outside. So you know, traveling is a very rare experience for me. I mean, the last time I went outside was the last time I saw you back in August, right? Right. So actually, you know, getting going on a trip like on an airplane is, is massive. You know, I'm 
you know, joking, but of course, of course, but it does feel like I haven't been on a trip for a long time. I don't know how you're on a plane like every other week. It feels like to me. So, uh. you know, it does kind of feel like that. If I look at the year, if I, you know, the year's over and I look, well, what have I done in the past year? It's like, Oh wow. I did that, 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 and that. Yeah. But I mean, I've been working, I've been literally working forever this summer. I really didn't do much, you know, traveling outside of my little, you know, Bay Area place. But um, um, I was recently in Houston. You were? Uh, brother-in-law lives there. I should tell some stories about that on the podcast sometime. Um, but that trip doesn't really count because I got sick. Okay. So I'm not, like, that That doesn't count. So, so, by the uh, way, Houston, but, hats off to the Astros winning the World Series. Um, yes! Also, Woo! Astros, that happened yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, World Series winners for the first time in, uh, for the first time. Ever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I also Ever. was in Houston for 20 minutes this uh, this week, which is uh, pretty exciting. Bare- barely made my layover uh, by seven minutes. Uh, I mean, I was running, keeping it exciting. Yeah. yeah. Was the plane late coming in? Well, no, we were on, I was leaving Austin, uh, and it was on the runway for 50 minutes for a 30 minute flight, uh, to, to Houston because of winds. And I, I literally asked the flight attendant if I could move up, if there were any open seats closer, because I was like, this is going to be close. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. So I moved to a seat closer, um, like 10 rows closer and sat next to a lady who had a dog in a little carrier who lady fell asleep and, uh, and her dog like let himself out of the carrier somehow and was like, you know, it's like a long haired chihuahua and, Mm -hmm. and was like on my leg. I'm like, how do you even get out? And I I shoved him in the carrier a couple of times when he he opened it. And then I just had to move the zipper up to the top of the, like it was, was she was, she was out though. Like, I don't know. See, that's funny. I love stories like that. How often do you get to experience that kind of thing on a plane? I know. That's memorable. Yeah. That's memorable. I remember once, uh, the last time I was in Houston, not this year, but like, I don't know, two or three years ago or whatever it was, uh, I had a similar experience. Um, we had to, the plane had to kind of do this little emergency landing in Austin um, because Houston was like, it was raining like crazy. They had this torrential downpour and the runway was just, it turned into a little lake. Wow. And <laughs> so we, we just uh, landed in Austin, and I think we refueled, and we hung out for an hour or two or something, and then took off again. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, we don't really see that in California that much, but um, those, those, those torrential downpours are crazy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's hear about your trip. Um, you went to Vancouver. I did, yes. Vancouver. British Columbia. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> In case anybody wanted to know which Vancouver <laughs> we're talking about, uh, and it was it was fun. Um, Vancouver is a city that I've been to a lot, uh, but not anytime recently. So I went to college just south of uh, the Canadian border on the west coast. Um, so we would, my friends and I would uh, hop over the border and you know, party in, in Vancouver because it was arguably closer than Seattle was, um, depending on how long it takes to cross the border, and a city that's way more fun to party in. I've got to say, if you want to, if you want to party, go to Canada. The yeah. Canadians, they, they know how to party. Okay, okay. So what sort of partying did you do in Canada? <laughs> what kind of partying did I do? Well, let me talk about the, just the main event. Uh, it was a 
uh, destination uh, vacation for a concert um, that I've seen already. My wife and I uh, saw Roger Waters in uh, Oakland uh, earlier this year, and uh, he was finishing up his entire tour in Vancouver, Canada. So he was there for two nights, and we saw him on the very last night. So it was a bit of an emotional show for him, uh, it being his last uh, show in the U.S. before he began his international I mean, tour. It, w- it was in the U.S., but... The U.S. and Canada. Well, whatever. Okay. North America. <laughs> <laughs> North America. Yeah, what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I think he uh, continues off to you know Europe and other places. But um, yeah. So it was it was a it was a it was a really a fantastic show. Um, it was a bit I've got to say anticlimactic for me because I already knew what to expect. Mm. Um, the first time around, the first time around, it was massive i mean it made such a huge impression on me it was it was crazy it's like i can't remember ever going to a concert venue inside of a you know basketball size arena and being that wowed yeah by the visual effects you know and the and the and the um and the vocals and stuff like that and so, it was the exact same set as when you saw him pretty much or almost exactly the same yeah he did at the very end he did go off script a little bit and he admitted i'm going to go off script uh, for the encore and he did play uh a song from one of his from his upcoming album um i should have recorded it i didn't but in a nutshell <laughs> did you record it you didn't record any i didn't record anything it was the same i mean it was the same exact show uh-huh. you know i can i can play you a recording from oh good from, right? <laughs> from the from the oakland show and it's pretty much the same thing What's... but uh but he did play um an, uh, a song uh that he'd never played before live uh, from his upcoming album but i've got to tell, i've got to tell you right now it's if you take his three most popular songs yeah. uh post pink floyd and you just combine them together. Yeah. That's what this new song is. There's actually nothing original about it. It's just so familiar and just so sounds like so much like his other stuff that I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But, you know, ho hum. Yeah. Well, yeah. But um, I've got to say the takeaway for me was um, it was a politically charged concert, just like all of his concerts are. It was very much anti-Trump. And um, and the Canadians ate it up. I mean, way more than the fans did in Oakland. They loved it. I mean, they were like cheering and roaring and they're like, yeah, Trump's a pig, you know? And, um, and, uh, it was, uh, it was, I guess, impressive for me based on, um, based on the reaction that the, that the fans had in comparison with, uh, you know, the, the show in, in Oakland, and I can say that for a lot of different shows I've seen in Canada. I can say that for U2. I can say that for Depeche Mode, you know, and other bands that I've seen both in the U.S. and, and Canada. And the Canadians are just—I mean, they—they they love to be like in the moment and be and uh, you know let the energy carry them. I guess. Um, so anyway, uh, I'm I'm sold. I'm going to go to more concerts in Vancouver right. <laughs> in my lifetime. Yeah. So, so is that your story you have from Vancouver? Or was there another? Yeah, story that that, that's pretty much my, my my Vancouver story. Um, but I'll share. I mean, I'll share more about Vancouver in future podcasts. How are their toilets? How are their toilets? Immaculate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, have Have you had a Have you had Nick's? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> 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 I'm like, where are you going with this? They're like, oh yeah, I've talked. 
talked on the podcast several times about uh, the laboratory situations in various different countries, yes. you know, like uh, in the Philippines where you're lucky uh, if you have a toilet paper or even a toilet seat or a toilet that's been cleaned in the last 10 years, right? Right. So um, the Canadian toilets are fantastic. Um, uh, they're very nice. Yeah. They're clean. Uh, you know, um, they're called washrooms oh um yeah yeah so if you go if you go to canada it's it's kind of european like i mean they don't say bathroom you know they say washroom they don't say water closet like you would see maybe in europe but yeah you definitely get that you get more of a, a european feel when when you're there yeah nice nice so you're, so all in all you'd say you had a good trip i had an awesome trip yeah absolutely awesome it was uh uh, I've got to say the best vacation since uh, the cruise that I took to Alaska in May or whenever that was. Since June. like three months before. I mean, yeah, it's been April. the best vacation <laughs> since then. <laughs> I think it was farther than that. Okay. It felt like two years ago. It's been the best vacation <laughs> in the last three months, has it? <laughs> you don't say. Wow. Man, I tell you, you, you just got said, the job. You just you said have the job like I have. Yeah. It, like. Time takes forever to go by. Uh, you know, it's been a week and it feels like a year already. So, right. right. Anyway, well, enough about me. I'll, yeah. I'll share more about Vancouver. I've got more exciting uh, stories, more hilarious stories okay. to share. Uh, okay. But um, that was the concert bit of it. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll share more on our next podcast. Okay. Well, sounds good. Well, let's get into the, the meat of our program here. Um, and that's, uh, like I said, Mouse Powell. Um, he's a, uh, a rapper and, um, he played with Authority Zero and, um, and also, uh, another band from, uh, from San Francisco, um, named, uh, Alvy and the Breakfast Pigs. All three are going to be on the podcast over the coming weeks. Um, and, um, and Mouse Powell, um, he's from Arizona um and uh and has a connection to authority zero which we'll talk about in the uh in the podcast a little bit he uh he's working on a, a new album that's uh that's going to be coming out soon but uh his most recent album is uh these are the good times um i believe that uh, that came out in uh 2013 um uh, so um, we're going to get into the interview with Mouse Powell, but first let's hear uh, one of the new tracks that's going to be on his um, uh, upcoming album, I believe. So let's let's hop into that. Then we'll chat with Mouse Powell and come back uh, from there. Here it is. This is Mouse Powell. You're listening to Concert Pipeline. Podcasts are cool. <laughs> that beautiful angel is Jason Gold. Jason Gold, Jason I know it's a Monday night, but if you can't get a party and be fully alive, let me see a hand in the sky one time. And if you are super pumped to see authorities, you know like I am super pumped to be on the road with them. Make some noise one time. Most notice when you kick it in the first hit Pop the clutch, drop it straight in the third hit Sexy's axis, only get the bad seats If we do it right, we could take it home by last week They got an ace up your sleeve, waiting to leave And that tip that is making you free Ain't no 
DJ for instant replay And your best friend might be the freeway I think the stars don't compare with the freckles My horse so sad, Captain Babble Look the whip up with low time Anytime the good Lord gives you the hiccups Ain't no safety when the gun goes off Then we hit the road, you can go get lost Pretend Jay-Z's right So I send a whole play everywhere it's okay Go play For sure, yeah, yeah. It's finding that balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, so I am backstage at Bottom of the Hill with Mouse Powell. Mouse, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Excellent. So you guys just came in from uh, from Portland. We were talking about finding that balance with energy drinks and staying awake on the road. Do you guys take turns driving? Yeah, because uh, we're just like a bare minimum crew. Got Coulter running merch and tour managing for me, and then I do like a one-man show thing. So we definitely are uh, just trading back and forth. Do you go, uh, now I, I read you have Danny that uh, plays with you. And, uh, yeah, so we um, we kind of have varying different setups for different tours. Um, normally I'll tour with like half a band kind of thing, like a drummer. And uh, Danny is a multi-instrumentalist who plays on all of our records. He does like keys and trumpet and he's just like a crazy band nerd kind of guy who can play anything. So a lot of times we'll tour with him. Yeah. So, uh, so let's go back to the beginning. Um, high school, you were that kid that was in class, just like with your headphones in yeah. while, uh, while class is going on. Yeah, you know, 100%. Like tell, me, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I, mean, I used to, when earbuds first became a thing, right. I used to always pull the move where I would wear a jacket and just run the, the earbuds up my sleeve and then just look like I was resting my head on my hands, but just be listening to music and sleeping during class. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, man. I, it's always been part of me, I guess. Yeah. Were there any any classes that you enjoyed, or were you, were you just oh, the school like, wasn't? Oh, you did. I loved okay. like English class and history class. I was always really bad at math, but yeah. like my mom and my uh, grandma are both English teachers, so I've always loved writing from like an early age. So I was awake for that one. But yeah. What did you write before you got into uh, rap? Like what? Uh, I mean, I always wrote like little short stories or poems or um, just like jokes just anything was always i just liked being creative with it man so yeah. and then it just transformed into me writing songs yeah and you grew up in arizona yep i grew up out on the west side of phoenix in a town called litchfield park and uh yeah man i loved it out there so how is the music scene there in phoenix is really really interesting it's a super diverse music scene it's kind of a cool thing since uh with like Arizona not being LA and not being right. <laughs> anything like it doesn't really have like a like a sound that's definitively like an Arizona thing, which is kind of the definitive Arizona sound then. Yeah. But yeah, I, I dig the scene out there, man. Yeah. So what was it that made you want to get into music yourself? Um, I don't know. I just remember I was like 10 years old and I was eating lunch with my dad and my stepmom and my sister, and I just looked up and I was like, I, I'm gonna learn how to play the guitar. 
And my dad's like, you don't have a guitar. I was like, I'm going to get a guitar. Then I'm going to learn how to play it. It's a good place to start. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, I don't know. I'm a weirdo. I can, if I do something, I just do it all the way until it's done, you know? Oh, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, for, for sure. Did you? So did you start with the electric guitar? Yep. That, that, that's not typical, right? Like most people just will pick up the acoustic yeah. first. And yeah, I started, started off with the electric guitar, playing the, the crappy punk songs really poorly. Yeah. And then I uh, just kind of fell in love with different types of music. In um, high school, one of my best friends was a, a rapper, so I started kind of rapping just to make fun of him, actually, and then, uh, yeah, just transformed like seven years later, eight years later. Yeah. Here I am still writing rap songs. <laughs> and, and so tell me kind of how that progressed for you from way back then to, to now, like as far as your style and how you, how you uh, work your rhymes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, initially, I was super, super backpack hip hop kind of guy. Just wanted only boom bap beats. And I worked with like a bunch of different producers. So the, the actual process of making the music wasn't as intense as it is now. People would just like email me a beat. I'd write to that beat just the way the beat's formatted and that was it. Um, and then over the course of like the first three or four years of doing this, I kind of started doing these mixed genre shows and falling in like really good friendships with a lot of local musicians out in Arizona. So now everything we do is all fully instrumented, like everything's live instrumentation and we play with like a band most of the time. Um, and it's just kind of developed into this like mixed genre kind of hip hop based thing. But, yeah. 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 And so you do a lot of co uh, collaborations as well. Um, tell me about how you choose who you collaborate with. Is it, you know, mostly friends? Is it people that you meet along the way? Yeah, it's mostly friends, man. Um, I've never really been super great at sitting in a room with like a stranger and just going for it musically. Yeah. It helps a lot like to be like friends with them. So like we have a new record coming out in January and uh everybody that played on that is from different bands that we've toured with or different bands that we've been friends with and so on. So mm -hmm. it's cool, man. So tell me about that album. What do you That album is super, super I'm the most proud of anything of that it's my favorite project yeah. i've ever made it's really different um it's got like blues stuff to it a lot of jazzy kind of stuff tons of horns on it um it just it's it was a fun really fun project to work on we did it all, we knocked it all out in about two weeks just like pulling 14 hour days every day and it came out really really sick so what, what led you in that direction, blues, jazz? I mean, that's a little, little bit of a turn, right? Yeah, well, I guess, like, I grew up listening. Like, my mom always, always had, uh, like, Motown music playing around the house and, like, soul music. So that's kind of how I got into the hip-hop stuff, too. Because, you know, you follow back all the samples that they're using. And I was like, oh, I recognize this. Um, so then we just kind of get to a point where it's like, well, I'm going to make my own samples now. Yeah. You know? And I had the guitar bass, the guitar background to begin with. So normally I'll write something and then um, just write like the, the basic chord progression. And then I'll just hand the guitar to somebody who can actually play it and play it better than me. And yeah. they'll, they'll take it from there. And it's, it's a really fun, like collaborative process. I like it. I like it. Um, now, uh, so t uh, you have Where It's Cloudy that came out in 2011. So tell me about the, the creation of that and your process there. That record was the very first thing I put out. And uh, we made it in an apartment <laughs> in Tempe, Arizona. The guy who recorded it, I let him move into my house. And he didn't, or he paid me $100 a month. 
and then the deal was I just got to record as much as I as much as I could. So I think we did like 30 songs for that album, and then cut it down to like 15-ish somewhere around there. I haven't heard that album in so long, man. I should go back and listen to it. Um, yeah, that's, those are all songs that I wrote from being like anywhere from like 18 to I think I was 21 when that first came out. Yeah. Yeah, and so when you're when you make 30 songs to go on an album, how do you kind of piece it piece it together? What's your process for uh, for that and kind of deciding what makes the cut? Yeah, um, well, we definitely played all those songs for other people whose opinions I like respected, and then um, I put them all on like an album, like on a mixed CD, and I just kind of put them in varying orders and listen to it. And you know, after like two weeks of listening to it, the songs that I'm tired of don't make it on there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, we had a bunch of throwaway stuff that we released like leading up to it. Uh, we did like a series called Mouse Mondays, where we just put out a, a new song every Monday for like two months. Yeah, and those were all like the throwaways, and then yeah, huh. the album, nice. yeah, all the main cuts. Now you even put a like a um, a recording of a conversation with your mom where she called you in yeah. studio in that album. Yeah, right. So uh, did that just? I mean, you just felt like that fit, or you're like, I'm in this spot right now. Yeah, throw it, it in. just it just fit. It was just kind of like an organic thing yeah yeah called her and she's just a funny lady yeah and and so you talk about writing and um and uh, my understanding is your process you do a lot of rewriting kind of over and over yeah. like how does how do you know when you're finished when some when a piece is complete or where you want it to be i don't know if i'm ever finished yeah <laughs> uh, it'll just kind of like like the uh when when the energy of the moment ends is when I'll I'll cut it. Yeah. And then I'll go back and revisit it and write, rewrite it again and cut it and take pieces from it and put it to other stuff. But yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a definitely a process. And so while we're talking about the process, tell me about your process from you know progressing from where it's cloudy to uh these are the good times. So these are the good times is kind of like a I would say it's like the transition album into like where more like my new stuff that's coming out is that one was probably like half sample half instrumentation that's when we started working with like danny and a bunch of different local musicians jason from authority did a song on that one with us um yeah that was a a different apartment in tempe yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it was I liked making that record a lot. Yeah. So you mentioned Jason from Authority. You're on tour with Authority Zero for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so um, how did you get uh, hooked up with him? You guys are both from Arizona, right? Both from so. Arizona. Um, growing up listening to punk rock, they were like, and still are like, the dudes out there yeah. for uh, Arizona stuff. So I was always a huge fan of them. Like they were doing all the big warp tours and big festivals when I was a kid. Yeah. And then... Um, I would say like 2012-ish, I played a, a show at a venue out there called Club Red, and his wife was the uh, bartender at the time, and I got off stage and she's like, hey, you should do a song with my husband, and I was kind of dismissive, I was kind of an asshole about it, Really? if I'm being totally honest. So I was Go like, for it, yeah, yeah. I was like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, sure, just have your husband call me, and I was like, Here's well, my well, number, sure. Who's, who's your husband? She says, oh, his name's Jason. He's uh, the lead singer of Authority Zero. I was like, oh, holy fuck, I'm a huge fan of that band. <laughs> kind of cuss, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Throw a couple more in. <laughs> okay. Fuck yeah. Um, but I'm like, yeah, awesome. I'm a huge fan of them, actually. Like, I'm sorry, I could just sounded like such a dick right now. Can I? Yeah, I would love to do a song with them. So yeah. he ended up um, becoming really good friends through through that. Yeah. Was that, did you... Did you see Authority Zero for first time on like Warp Tour? Or I think, was, yeah, yeah. I want to say I saw him at Warp Tour for the first time. I think I interviewed Jason like 13 or 14 years ago at Warp Tour. 
I, I know I interviewed someone from Authority Zero. I That's just, crazy. I, 13 or 14. Him. How old are you? Fifteen. Okay. Just, <laughs> okay. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm 34. <laughs> dang. Don't look it, man. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been I've been doing this for a little bit. So, Sick. yeah. That's it, awesome. Yeah, it's good times. Get to talk to people like you, hear about you know <laughs> their, uh, how you guys get started and uh, yeah. life on the road, uh, all of that. So. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, just a science experiment on my body. Right? <laughs> right. So, so you mentioned that before. So what, what goes into the science experiment on your body? Um, it's a delicate mixture of coffee and whiskey, mostly. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of water, <laughs> yeah. a bunch of bad burgers and trash food. And then try to eat healthy for like one day. And then, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a fine line. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the worst burgers you, you can recall eating? Um... I had a burger at Carl's Jr. yesterday oh. that was really bad. Pretty bad, huh? <laughs> yeah. Not going there for quality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a convenience yeah. stop. But uh, trying to think what else we've had that's been really, really terrible. I don't think I've had anything super awful. I had the best seafood I've had ever in Seattle. Yeah? This last, uh, like, a couple days ago. And that was just really set the day off for success. Had some killer clam chowder and some smoked salmon. Oh, they got, yeah, they, they do their fish right up oh, there. Yeah. 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 Decided to treat ourselves a little bit. <laughs> yeah. When I, I went up to the Seattle last year, actually, for the first time and nice. t- took the kids. So Hell I couldn't really experience all that because I had the kids and they're picky eaters. Oh, and, gotcha. And so I kind of missed out on part of the culture. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah. it's a, I love Seattle. It's an awesome town. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, and so, uh, these are the good times is your most recent album. Like we, we talked about, mm-hmm. um, your the, the ref is the name of your new album. Is that the ref or, or is no, a, the ref is your producer. Yeah. He's right. uh, so he's my best friend. He, um, me and him have been making music together since shortly after where it's cloudy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he produced all of these are the good times. And then for our new record that's coming out in January, he flew down from Portland and, uh, produced all of that as well he's just got a really really cool ear for music and uh it's it's always a pleasure working with that guy so what does he bring to the to the table that kind of balances he what you're your is um well he is really good at wrangling me and really good at like tearing me down in a constructive way that will make the best product i can make he's i trust that guy's music opinion more than most people i've ever met so it's it's always like a interesting process to get in the studio with him because he'll tell me like oh that that was great or he will absolutely tell me that was dog shit do it again yeah <laughs> and uh it's sick it's really nice to have like a confidence between somebody like that you know we made all of these are the good times in his bedroom with him facing one wall and his back to me and then me rapping behind him and there was times where we'd be in there for like eight hours middle of arizona it's upstairs ac's off we're both sweaty and grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just, we're yelling back and forth at each other between the takes, and it just makes, like, a cool energy. That's yeah. when you do your best work, huh, when you're yeah. sweaty and grumpy? <laughs> I mean, like, we also have, like, the, the ones where we're just super great moods, but it's just, it's a it's a fun thing to push yourself to the limits like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And so good. Uh, you have Good Times 2 uh, uh, also, which uh, I wanted to call out kind of a line of that. I know you're kind of a big no effects fan. Oh, yeah. And so you uh, you mentioned uh, Drunk Like I'm uh, Punk and Drublick, yep. <laughs> which is cool. I mean, I, I didn't grow up on no effects. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I saw them last like a week ago actually. Sick. Um, do at the Punk and Drublick Festival. Oh yeah, yeah. With, with Flog and Molly, Goldfinger, Less Than Jake, you know, uh, a bunch of bunch right. of bands and um, and so I need you to kind of tell me what what the draw is for No Effects because <laughs> I've tried. I mean, I've interviewed Fat and Mike and Eric, you know, back in the day at Warped Tour also, and they were just like my favorite band as a kid. Um, yeah. I just really loved like. They're singing about getting high and skateboards, yeah. and they're super tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic, and I, I just really was drawn to that for whatever reason. I remember I made like a, uh, a pump up the volume shirt. Mm-hmm. I was like sixth grade, walking around like the middle school that my mom teaches at, wearing a shirt that says "Pump Up the Volume," and then it just mysteriously went missing. I'm pretty sure my parents just threw it away. Threw it away. <laughs> it's a bad look for their kid to be walking around with it. But right. yeah, I just I've always loved that that band, and bands similar to them too. Like I think. You know, authority kind of fit in there, that realm as well, and like bad religion, rancid, yeah. all all of that stuff, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and you you also write a lot about kind of being a starving musician uh, of sorts. Kind of tell me tell me how that is uh, for you, and how you kind of get from uh, you know how you get through that, right? Yeah, um, I don't know, man. It's it's a thing where like I find it really challenging sometimes, but it's crazy rewarding. Like we, we're still uh, like on the level. We're sleeping on people's couches and not really doing like the hotel room and just really kind of getting by on the skin of our teeth, which is has its moments where it's like you know you can be thinking to yourself, why am I doing this? But then like I'll have moments where I'm waking up on someone's couch and I realize like this is probably gonna go down as like some of the happiest times in my life. Like I'm making really great friends like that are like my favorite people because I see them just every time I go through a city and it's like. It's really, really cool to make relationships like that. Yeah. So you get like a really intimate, cool friendship just when people know that you're on the struggle. And it's it's awesome when people come through for you like that. So Yeah, and you're doing what you want to do, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How important is touring to... Uh, to uh... Oh, it's the most vital thing in as far as like in my eyes, what I do. I, I, I'm the happiest when I'm on stage, you know, so... It's a, it's definitely a therapeutic thing for me. I really dig it. For sure. Um, and uh, and so how much of what you write is from personal experience versus, you know, uh, I guess fictional, you'd say? I would say, like, almost all of it's personal. Uh, I do write, like, sometimes from different perspectives or about different people. But, yeah, most of it's all super autobiographical. <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but, yeah, most of it's just about me, you know. It's easy, easier for me to write that way. Yeah, for sure. And, and so as we kind of wind out here in San Francisco, when was the last time you were here in the Bay? Uh, I was here probably a year ago with Catastro okay. on tour. Um, it's great. I love the Bay. Where did you, you play? Uh, we played in Oakland, I think, at the Legionnaire. Okay. okay. I've done that place a couple times. Played, I can't remember the name of the venue, but I played here with Megarin once or twice as well. And yeah, it's, I love San Francisco, man. It's one of my favorite cities in America. So, what's one of your favorite memories? Favorite memories of San Francisco. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I've come out here a handful of times. Last time I was out here, we, went, we had a day off on a Sunday. So we went to a restaurant called Chubby Noodle. Okay. And uh, it's like all you can drink mimosa. Yeah. And like all you can eat Japanese food. And they just play like gangster rap music super loud. So that just set the day up for a real, real fun time. Um, 
some not so fun memories. Uh-huh. I guess funny. We stayed at this uh, at this hotel in Oakland. Yeah. And uh, it was just like like picture like an '80s Chevy Chase movie, like vacation right. style kind of thing. Like we get a we get the key from the guy downstairs, and he's like, "So what you're going to do is uh, put the key in, lift the door up with your foot, lean your shoulder in, and then turn the key, and it'll <laughs> open the door for you." There's like three TVs in there. None of them work. Right. You sit on the bed. It tacos up around you. Bunch of mystery stains. <laughs> just like the grossest, seediest hotel room ever. But really, like in retrospect, just like a funny situation to be in. It gives you stuff to write about, I'm sure, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. They're like connected to a, a chicken and waffles spot. And they just like, I guess the chicken and waffles spot is like 24-7 or 24 hours or open super late or something. So like they have like these giant like steel chains on the door. Yeah. That, like separate it from the hotel and there are a bunch of padlocks on there because people just get all shit-faced and try to go into the hotel evidently is yeah it's a crazy spot <laughs> you know it's it's like a comedian right if everything yeah. were perfect you'd have nothing to, uh, to, absolutely <laughs> to write about and yeah i can't write when i'm when i'm <laughs> everything's going swimmingly <laughs> yeah so and, and so um one more question here uh like, how long does it take you to generally to write a, a, a song? I know you go through rewrite the rewrite process, but are there times where you're just like, that's oh. it, that's it, or, and other ones that you str- uh, struggle with? Or sometimes, like sometimes it'll take me like 15 minutes yeah. if I'm like if something just comes to my head and I'm super inspired, and then sometimes it'll take me like a month and a half, like or six months. I've got a song on the new record that we've reworked and redone probably now like. 15 times yeah just you know you add stuff you take stuff out it's just uh i guess it just really varies you know yeah sometimes like the the more like fun party songs those just write themselves they're just silly rap songs you can write them in like 30 minutes but yeah i guess uh it all changes depending on the song for sure so their new album is it pretty locked or are you still kind of like it is critical uh, about it and yeah it's super it's super close to completion we just got to get it mastered and then um do the album artwork for it and then it's ready to rip sounds good yeah man well we'll hear that in uh in january then killer yeah mouse thanks for taking the time today yeah man thank you appreciate you that was the interview with mouse powell from bottom of the hill in San Francisco, uh, thank you, Mouse, for taking the time. Great chat and a really cool performance. I mean, he uh, he's one who really uh, owns his craft, and he, he starts by kind of uh, being a little bit vulnerable uh, with the crowd as well, and uh, and told them. Um, hey, you know, I'm more nervous uh, than you guys are right now. Uh, but then he he kind of breaks that wall a little bit, and he got into the the crowd and uh, and was like. Um, rapping with them, he sat on the side of the stage as well, and um, and so he's really interactive with the with the crowd at bottom of the hill. Good performance mm. by Mouse. That is absolutely fantastic. Now, Steve, this isn't the first time you've been to that venue. It's not. I've been many, many times over the years. Yes, you've been many, many times. Like this is your second time you've been there. Yeah, my second time. That's what I just said. <laughs> Okay, so which hill is it at the bottom of? It's at the bottom of Potrero Hill. How do you know that? Because it uh, it's because it says on my video Potrero Hill. No, <laughs> <laughs> no because because I it, it, maybe it was intuition or just memory or the only hill I know in, uh, the name of in San Francisco. But we looked it up on a pod a couple weeks ago or months ago or whatever, and uh, and found that it was indeed Potrero Hill. Okay, so does yes. Russian Hill ring a bell? Yeah, yeah, that that sounds familiar too. 
Okay, does um, uh, Knob Hill ring a bell? Yeah, that sounds like a grocery store. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I just remember this moment where um, uh, I put you on the spot live on 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 the podcast, right? And I asked you, um, well, what hill is the venue at the bottom of? Yes. And there was a little bit of, of hesitation on your okay. end that I, I thought I had got you. I'm like, yeah, Steve, he doesn't remember what hill it's at the bottom of. But you nailed it, dude. Petrero Hill was the first thing that came out of your mouth. And there we had to go. fact check it. Boom, you were right on. There you go. That's a someone who's lived in San Francisco before. So, I mean, although I don't, I couldn't tell you everything about the city. I don't know. I only I didn't get out that well. I don't know. I'm not. I I don't. I don't memorize locations like that. I just. I'm not great with directions. I'm okay. Sometimes. Don't beat yourself up about. Don't beat yourself up about it. You know that I suck at names, right? I, I mean, every time we do music news, I start getting scared because I, 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 you know, I'm worried that I'm going to screw up people's names. We're, we're going to see how you do here. <laughs> yeah. So we're. The anticipation is 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 rising here. We're going to see how we do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's the, that musician uh, with the red hair, Ed? Dude, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Ed Shran. Ed Shran. It turned into Shran. Last Shran, time it was Shiron. Shiron. Uh, Ed Sharon. Sharon. Not Sharon, not dude, Sharon. No idea. Ed Sharon. Ed Sharon. Ed Sharon is what it is. Sharon. Sharon. Sheeran. Okay, I have I, I I have respect for his music. Uh huh. Do you? I'm not trying to make fun of him. Okay. It's just that I've got Too I've min- got a disability <laughs> that involves people's last names and sometimes Some, their first names. And sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I can assure you, hundred percent with hundred percent confidence, so, that I am going to nail it. Says the person during, who during music news whose first today. name begins with a J and sounds like a Y. Right. Yes. See, that's where my problems all stem from. It's it's my parents giving me yeah. like a WTF name. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. You can change it. You know, it's not too late. <laughs> oh, oh good time. Okay. Anyway, um, awesome interview. Yes. Uh, fantastic music. Great venue. Indeed. And we'll hear another song from Mouse Powell at the end of the, the program as well. So more Sounds to come. Sounds good. Any, any closing thoughts? Uh, closing thoughts is uh, let's close the door on that interview. Let's move on to music news. All right. You hit it. If you tell the story that I want to tell, I'm going to drive we, over to your place and, like, strangle you. We have not so screened each other's stories. do not story, tell so. the story that I want to tell, but okay. you go first. Okay. No pressure. Okay. Well, I will start with Stone Temple Pilots. How's that? Yes! I think that's great because I love the Stone Temple Pilots and I want to know what's going on. And uh, that's not the story that I was going to present. Oh, good. Well, that, that works out well then. So... Um, Stone Temple Pilots may reveal their new singer at a special show, Jens. That's fantastic. What happened to their old singer? Uh, <laughs> oh, Jens. <laughs> too, Did he die? Too soon. He, he yes, he died, Jens. Are you fucking serious? Oh, my when? God. Did that happen? Oh, God. Rewind. Uh, We're not recording that. <laughs> Rewind. Rewind. Oh, man. What the fuck happened to him? Yeah, well, okay. Do we need to go go back here? Yeah, rewind. We're not recording that part. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, we're gonna we are we are recording that part. We don't edit. No, we, we're not. We, we don't edit the podcast here. Yes. We're not recording that. Yes. Uh, so that is so embarrassing. Right. Well, you know, it, uh, Scott Weiland, yes, did kill himself back in 2015. Where was I? Uh, I think on the podcast or something at that point, right? No. <laughs> was I on the no. podcast back uh, in 2015? 2015? No. I, I started remember. in 2016. Did, did you? Okay. Yeah. Um, See, I have, a, I have an out. I oh, good. Know. Well, uh, he – it was an a, uh, accidental overdose, actually, that um, that uh, that he died from uh, on his tour bus. That is so sad. I had no idea. Scott Weiland. And um, – and Joe and I had seen him uh, with his band uh, Scott Weiland and the Wildabouts uh, at Bottle Rock like six months before. Uh, really shitty performance. Like he was just done. You know, shouldn't have been there. Should have been getting help. Uh, was I mean? Was it? Was he? Did it look like he was depressed or just burnt know. out or he, both? Or I'll tell you, he used two megaphones. Let's just say that. Uh-huh. He used two megaphones. Who needs two megaphones, Jens? Scott Weiland. Apparently, well, not anymore. Um, so, and and also, and Joe Dirt. So, in um, I mean, to progress that story a little bit further, um, after Scott Weiland, uh, Chester Bennington had taken over lead singer duties on Stone Temple Pilots for a bit, and he killed himself. Uh, you know, uh, recently as well, right? Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. This is insane. I mean, this just reminds me of all the deaths, you know, and suicides that we've had recently in the last year or two. I mean, it's been a bit overwhelming. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if that bodes too well for the next singer of Stone Temple Pilots. Um, <laughs> right. I know. But... Uh, but they're, I, I guess they're pretty excited about it. They're going to have a, a, a show that's, I guess, a private show. It'll be for Sirius XM listeners uh, who win tickets to the concert. It's going to take place November 14th at the Troubadour in West Hollywood. Um, some listeners were uh, sent an email yesterday um, revealing that a limited number of complimentary tickets will be available and fans will have until uh today actually to uh to get tickets to, via random kind of drawing so they've been busy the bands have been busy in search for their replacing their lead singer um guitarist dean de leo spoke about the search during an interview on rock 98.9 in seattle we had fifteen thousand submissions uh that the three of us personally went through what uh, I mean, it was uh, a big deal to go through all those submissions, uh, and there were some great people. It was just a matter of trying to find someone who really had uh, all we were requiring of someone. So they're saying right. they went through 15,000 people. Uh, it's one, uh, honor, honoring the catalog and singing uh, that to a point where it turns on us uh, musically still. And then there's the part of writing new material and someone who could actually write lyrics and come up with melody and sing and uh, knows how to use a microphone in the studio. It's uh, a lot to ask of someone, and we're going to do the best we can, they say. So so we'll see in uh, a couple of weeks who the new lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots is. Um I don't we'll see. Yeah, I hope it's someone who's true to the band and uh, you know continues the um, 
you know, their, uh, their, their style. I mean, I remember, oh gosh, this was back in college. I'm dating myself now, but Stone Temple Pilots, I mean, they were, they had their heads back when, uh, um, you know, during the, their, during the grunge era when, oh, yeah, um, yeah. you know, Pearl Jam and, uh, and, uh, oh God, Soundgarden and, um, who else am I trying to remember here, Steve? Nirvana and yeah, Nirvana. Um, all the other bands were, you know, yeah. rocking out their hits, and it's like Stone Temple Pilots. They're such a familiar band, and you know, I just man, I wish all the best, you know, for their for their future. I, you know, I mean, I just I'll say it, but I don't know that they need to go on. You know, I mean, it's okay to call it sometimes. You, you think they've made their think, their their I, they've they've inked their place in history and it's time to move on? Not, I, I mean, I think that the deaths of two lead singers in within several years of each other is enough to say, you know what, we're we're okay, we'll we'll be all right without new STP. Mm. Just, mm. I see that. Just thinking that. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll see that soon. That's my story. What you got, Jens? All right. Um, talking about death, uh, <laughs> I really hate to continue on the theme of, of, of the greats that have passed on, Do but, um, I'm still trying to recover from, you know, the loss of Tom Petty, uh, recently, yeah. but I've got to say that, um, we have another icon, uh, that has passed away. And that is Fats Domino, the founding father of rock and roll, the architect of rock and roll, passed away at 89. And you know what? I look at this and I think, you know what? Fats Domino, man, he is an icon, right? But he lived to 89. You know, I don't think I'd want to live that long, <laughs> honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not even 50, yeah. Right. I'm not even 50 yet. Me but neither. I feel yeah. like I'm 89. Like my back hurts so bad. And when I'm like, you know, at the gym, I'm working out. Oh, you know, my feet start hurting. I start getting cramps. And I'm like, what happened to my 20 year old body? I miss that body. So I can't imagine being 89. I think I'd be miserable yeah. <laughs> I was 89 years old so hats off to Fats Domino for uh for uh you know blessing um music for all the years that he's uh been with us so um essentially you know he was the founding father of uh, rock and roll and the recipient of the national medal of arts uh he passed away um of natural causes mm. Yeah, well, 89 sounds, I mean, that's kind of that natural age, right? You know, where. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing, there's, you know, there, that's great. Um, you know, I I never really followed his modern, um, you know, I know about him um, in terms of history, but I never really, you know, followed him during modern times. But, um, you know, it's nice to know that he passed away of natural causes. Um you know, and was able to, uh, to, um, you know, be an impact on, on the world. Yeah. And so he was one of the first acts inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. Um, he was, and, yeah. 
Uh, and I guess he had 11 top uh, hits, top 10 hits between 1955 and 1960, second only to Elvis, which is um, is pretty cool. Absolutely. Yep, yep. So Elvis Presley tipped his hat to Domino, as did hundreds of others who followed in his footsteps. Um, and you know what? What the funny thing is, when I think of Fats Domino, I don't think of rock and roll. I think of like jazz and blues and, and that kind of thing. I didn't realize until you know just recently that he had such a huge impact on rock and roll music yeah um yeah so um that's all i got to say i gotta say fats domino thank you for being you and for contributing what you did uh to music and you will be missed indeed indeed um all right my next story uh, is I mentioned before Chester Bennington, right? Lincoln Park. Well, there was a big uh, Lincoln Park tribute where the members of Lincoln Park uh, got together and performed for the first time since Chester Bennington's uh, death, and um, and there it, it was a lot of emotion behind it. I mean, it was a, uh, I think a relatively small venue in uh, down in Los Angeles. Yeah, the, well, I guess the Hollywood Bowl. So it's um, it was sizable. So here's here's a story, and I want to kind of cover a couple of. I mean, uh, I want to go through kind of what the set looked like uh, after the, the story as well. Um, so there's an emotional tribute concert for Chester Bennington. Uh, they played some old favorites like "I Missed You" and "What I've Done." Um, Mike Shinoda uh, from the band he also debuted "Looking for an Answer," a new track dedicated to Bennington's me- uh, memory, um, and. Uh, he played the, the song solo at the keyboard. Um, simple melody and elegant arrangement made for one of the night's most emotional moments. Uh, is there a sunshine where you are? Uh, the way there uh, was when you were here? Because I'm just sitting in the dark in disbelief that this is real. Um, uh, some of the lyrics from that song. So um, the set list was like 34 songs, uh, I think, like, let me see here real quick. 30, 30, yeah, 32, 33 songs is what it looks like. So they, uh, some of the artists that, um, that performed, uh, at that night, cause there was like an all-star lineup in, in addition to the members of Lincoln Park were John Green, Ryan Key from Yellow Card. Uh, there was a string quartet. Uh, they, uh, there was, uh, part of one of the songs included an extended bridge with U2's With or Without You, Gavin Rosdale of Bush, um, t- uh, Taka, let's see, who else? Uh, Dream Car, uh, which is um, Davey Havoc's band with the members of No Doubt, right, who I, um, um, I saw a couple weeks ago. Alanis Morissette was there. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. These yeah. are some great names. Yeah, let's see. Who else? I know Blink-182 played a couple of songs. Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, I mean, just a, an endless list. M. Shadows. There's. Uh, I mean, they included some songs with Chester's pre-recorded vocals um, um, in them as well. Like, I mean, it just would have been incredible. I mean, and, and it was live streamed actually too. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but, um, to Linda Bennington, uh, spoke, that was his wife. Uh, she spoke at the end before the encore. Uh, there, there's, I mean, 
I'm sure you can find video of it online if you want to uh, check it out, but it sounds like it was pretty emotional. Wow, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, those are some big names. Um, Alanis Morissette I saw live. She was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, talking about raw, yeah. you know, if you ever want to know what raw sounds like live, you right. know, go to, go, go see somebody like uh, Yeah. I, yeah, I've seen her. All right. Yeah, I've seen her. I met, I met her once. Um, I saw her do a little performance for like 20 people. Um, and nice. Yeah, and I mean, sat like, th- you know, two, you know th- five feet away from her or something, right? You know, while she's uh, doing this little intimate performance at a radio station. So please tell me you asked her out. Oh, of course. I mean, that's the first thing I would have done. Is that like Alanis? Alanis, um, you know, I've always wanted to ask you this, but, you know, I just met you. And uh, this is crazy, but here's my number. So maybe, maybe you want to call. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Did I just say that? Uh, I, I mean, I know you think things are going to be cut from this podcast, but that's not how we roll. So <laughs> you should know better. We we have a dedicated editor to cut out all the crap that I say, uh, right? Please. Yeah, no, he Tell doesn't. He doesn't make enough for uh, to do that. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, whatever. Okay. You know what? Alanis is hot. Yep. I'm gonna just leave it at that. There you go. It's <laughs> good. You can move on to your next story. I'll let you. Okay. So, Steve, get this. Are you ready? Hit me. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Okay. What do you got? Upcoming Super Bowl number fifty-two. Number fifty-two. We are gonna have a return performer. This oh, artist. Okay has graced the field of the Super Bowl before. Okay. Apparently, uh, it was quite the most embarrassing moment. So uh, this gentleman is coming back and hoping to forget all about what occurred during the previous Super Bowl. And uh, he's a headliner, so I'm assuming that means there are going to be others there. But I don't know about that. I just know about Justin Timberlake. He's coming back, and he's going to rock on in Super Bowl number 52. This was just announced uh, recently, uh, which is going to be in Minneapolis. And that's a brand new stadium. It's an absolutely beautiful stadium that was uh, just recently completed. I believe this is maybe the second or third year that they're playing there. Um, Home of the Vikings. And purple is my favorite color. Hey, what can I say? Purple is my favorite color. So here I am trying to rack my brain, Steve, and I'm like, okay, um, last time Justin uh, Timberlake performed was back in 2004. I'm trying to think, like, what happened back in 2004 that was just so embarrassing that he wouldn't want to remember? Miss Jackson, if you're nasty? It took me, yeah, it took me like, it took me like a split second before I realized that was the whole wardrobe malfunction show. Malfunction, yeah, right, Uh uh-huh. Which was like, I mean, that was planned, right? I mean, of course. Yeah. That wasn't an accident. There's no way that was an accident. There's no way. That was a, that was like, here are my boobs. Right here they are. And buy more of my albums or something, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know if Justin Timberlake was in on it, but that has, I mean, that must have been staged. Yeah. I mean, I think he claimed he didn't. He wasn't, but but he had to have been, so. Right. Yeah. So, so that like nipple gates, you know, gate this, gate that. That was that was nipple gate. So anyway, uh, Justin Timberlake, uh, undoubtedly, whether you like his uh, acting or music or not, is definitely 
um, a, a major talent, and uh, it'll be uh, nice to see him again um, uh, during the Super Bowl. Maybe he will have a wardrobe malfunction himself. Is that what you're hoping for? Or? Maybe. Maybe I'm not hoping for anything, but maybe he himself will have some sort of malfunction. Maybe he'll show his like man boob, or he'll be like, "Woo woo!" Is that what Justin you're getting? Timberlake at? twerking on stage. Here we go. You're hoping for a wardrobe malfunction up top. No, I'm not hoping. I'm just saying maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's going to be a theme. Maybe it's a Justin. Oh my God! I was about to say Bieber. Maybe it was a Justin Timberlake thing. It's not Janet Jackson's fault. Maybe it's just every time Justin Timberlake shows up at the Super Bowl, there's a wardrobe malfunction of some kind. I'm just saying. Maybe I'm just you know, maybe it's all hype. But I wouldn't be surprised if there if there might be one coming up. Okay. Yeah. Jens yeah. has the in the skinny on a wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. Skinny, you heard it here. You heard it here on the podcast. All right. Okay. So, hey, if it happens, you heard it here first. Oh, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, all right. <laughs> Justin Timberlake, maybe some special guests, maybe some wardrobe malfunctions <laughs> to be had in February, right? Is it end, <laughs> end of January, February? I guess I'm right. just hoping Janet Jackson's not, not coming back. As long as she doesn't right. show up again, I'm happy. Yeah. Let's recreate this moment, right? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Probably. that, I mean, they might ask him, you know, hey, let's keep clothes on this time. Okay. That'd be great. You might have to sign a contract, like a disclosure agreement. I know, right? You will, uh, <laughs> you will not I, rip clothes off of people and, like, uh, reveal their nudity. Reveal their nudity, yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, right. Yeah, so my last story, Jens, um, uh, before we wrap, is about um, Weezer. They, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, right? So they actually stopped by the Late Show um, earlier this week to perform Happy Hour from their new album, uh, Pacific Daydream. Records, a sunny, unapologetically poppy approach to rock has dis- uh, disappointed some fans. Uh, instead of drawing from the band's early material, it derives inspiration from the Beach Boys and embraces a carefree SoCal aesthetic. So Weezer fans were hoping for heavier material in response to the band's acclaimed White Album via a so-called Black Album. Uh, Rivers Cuomo responded to those fans on Instagram, sharing a meme that accuses Weezer fans of hypocrisy. Okay, he, uh, Be yourself, uh, Weezer fans say in one line, but no, not like that, they say in the next. So uh, they, the picky fans may get what they want in the near future, Cuomo says. Uh, the Black Album is near completion and may arrive in about six months. Um, uh, he's hoping it comes out in May, uh, but this song got finished first and he doesn't, uh, and he really liked the song. So he wanted to put it out. He says he likes putting out music and doesn't like waiting around. He wants to pick up the pace actually. So. All right. Black album. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's the, the story on Weezer. Um, I realized I didn't on the pod, um, talk about, um, how I, I saw Weezer, briefly um a couple uh i guess just a couple of weeks ago um it was kind of during the fire time frame i i think or no it was before it was before the fires i think um that yeah it was right before the fires because they played uh P- pga um the which was in pretty much in you know my backyard and um and so went over i took the kids and 
um, and we checked out Weezer, and, except, and we were right near the front of the stage. I, I got some audio. Hold on. Okay, I'm gonna stop it there. That's enough. Nice. That's enough. Yeah, Weezer is great. I've I've never seen them live, and I need to make the effort to to do that. Yeah. So they were pretty much in my backyard. Um, I took the kids. I had them that night, and I didn't want to mess things up at all. I just wanted with a schedule, and so went over. Was able to actually get in for free, um, even though. Um, I didn't have a ticket or anything, but, you know, um, made it happen and went in. And, but we only stayed for just over a song uh, of their set because uh, it's too loud for my son. Uh, and my daughter was watching a situation that was happening just to the left of us where this big guy uh, was, he was either having a seizure or belligerently drunk and uh like five security guys needed to hold him down and so it scared my that scared my daughter wow and she just she just wanted to go and so right so you know i went i was like i had to honor that i had to respect it as a parent and uh but we slowly made our way out of uh, um out of the um the golf course area and uh and walked home so and this was this was the day or two days before the fires broke out so let's see so this was october 6th um and then the 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 night before maybe the the uh, night before that and then the well let's see here the fires the fires were october 8th so two nights yeah two nights before two nights yeah that's intense i mean the fires happened the next like night after um, after the PGA tournament, I think, and there's still a ton of people from the PGA um, that that were there. So it might have been even been the last night of the PGA or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. That's nuts. Yeah, I remember seeing photos, um, you know, afterwards and seeing how crazy the golf course was and how some of the trees in the area got scorched. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and you live like two minutes down the street from there i know i know so close yeah it was, it was gnarly. I, I didn't think it would yeah. survive but it did so yeah yeah so all uh, right anyway yeah so that was my weezer story um i unfortunately didn't get to see their whole set but um uh, but it was cool to, that they were here so so live on weezer there will yep. be another day there will be another opportunity there will and we've, and we've got to go see them well they're going to be playing shoreline is their next uh 
gig they're going to be playing with. It was announced today, actually, I believe. Uh, they're going to be oh, playing sweet. with the Pixies next year sometime. I don't know, August or something like that, already announced. So They're playing uh, with the Pixies? Yeah, Pixies are opening for them. Let's go. Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not committing to that one right now. Uh, but I'll I'll go, and then okay. you're gonna come with me. Right. There we go. We'll do it that way. We'll, we'll do it that way. <laughs> um, so let's talk about before we wrap. Let's talk about who we got coming up on the podcast, Jens. Okay. And before we even get to that, how can people get a hold of us, Jens? Oh, there's this really cool thing. It's called the internet. Yeah, how does it work? And there are several ways that uh, people can get a hold of us on the internet. Um, Facebook is one way. So facebook.com slash concertpipelinepod. Yep. And then there are other ways such as um, we've got the YouTube and we've got the Instagram, and we've got the Twitter, and it's all Concert Pipeline. Yeah. So, well, Twitter is pound Concert Pipeline. It's it's, it's at Concert Pipeline, yeah. At. Did I say pound? <laughs> I'm sorry. At. At Concert Pipeline. And it's not even pound. The, the kids call it hashtag, okay? What's that? Say again, uh, Steve. Oh, Sorry. Okay. <laughs> the kids, the, kid, the kids call it hashtag. Hashtag. Yes, it's not a phone. So, uh, so. I thought a hashtag was a pound symbol. It is, but it's the same thing. But the pound people called the, the pound symbol like in 1990, and now it's hashtag. It's called hashtag. You know what? Retro is awesome. Okay. Retro is the way to go. Okay. You gotta go yeah. retro. We'll keep it in mind and. Really, we've we've let our um, we've let our audience hang long enough on uh, on who the band is that has sold more than fifteen million albums. That's going to be on Concert Pipeline podcast. Let's t- let's tell them who it is. You really don't know. <laughs> no, I do. It's, okay. it's 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 uh, it's not Stone Temple Pilots. No, it's it's. Um, Bare naked ladies. There you go, bare naked ladies. Yeah. Yes. If, and if you, if nobody understood what I was trying to sing, you know, don't feel bad because I suck at humming. Which is very likely. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what you were singing, but, uh, you're wondering, but yeah, bare naked ladies will be on the podcast. I think next week, maybe the week after, um, we're gonna. They have a new album called Live Nudes that's uh, gonna be coming out on November seventeenth. And um, so I talked to uh, Jim uh, Cregan from Bare Naked Ladies uh, about that new album. We're gonna kind of time that one around the, the time that uh, uh, that the album comes out. I've heard listened to the album a couple of times. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a departure from kind of normal, I mean, old bare naked ladies as you know it, and they get real exploratory with the album. So, um, all right, it'll be a good listen. Yeah. So we also, we have them, we have authority zero, as I mentioned before, we have, uh, Alvy and the breakfast pigs from San Francisco and also, um, live in the vineyard coverage, uh, that we're going to work in somehow here, here and there. So, uh, bands playing live in the vineyard. Joseph, Julia Michaels, Haim, Zizi Ward, Lindsay uh, uh, Eli, Sarah Evans. That's the Friday. 
uh, show. Uh, Keelan Donovan, flagship Magic Giant concert pipeline uh, uh, alumni there, right? Uh, Ocean Park Standoff, the Revivalists, and the All-American Rejects. Uh, they're all part of Live in the Vineyard. So we're going to sprinkle performances from Live in the Vineyard uh, in the podcast or do a whole pod dedicated to it. We'll figure it out. But lots of stuff coming up on Concert Pipeline, right, Jens? Sounds good, man. Yeah. Can't wait. So we're going to play you out here with um, one more song from uh, Mouse Powell. Uh, This is uh, a a song called uh, Brass Monkey, Little Beastie Boys, tribute there uh so for all of us here on concert pipeline that is jen shippel and that is steve jones and we will catch you next time here we go shoot and now if i'm drinking at the bar you can order me a whiskey yo what you mean i could get a mickey's for 350 i got 30 on a case san francisco let's get shitty bring silver tape party time for baby Crap!